Katie, and this is That Grief Relief Podcast. If you're new to the podcast, this is a very light-hearted, open-hearted conversation about grief. There is no right or wrong way to deal with grief. Now, whilst I might be at a certain stage of my grief process, my guests might be at another stage of their grief process, you might be at a completely different stage of your grief, or you might not have experienced grief at all. I'm not here to offend, I'm here to hopefully put a smile on your face, whether you're going through something right now or not. Welcome to another episode of That Grief Relief Podcast. I'm Katie Overy and I've got another Zoom guest on all the way across the Atlantic uh, in New Jersey. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Oh, you're welcome. So we we spoke on Instagram. Um, I reached out to you because of the weird and wonderful word that I learned recently, which is disenfranchised grief. Mm. Um, disenfranchised grief. I mean, it's not the dictionary uh, definition, I'm sure, but it's basically the grief that isn't what we understand as grief. It's the grief that isn't necessarily recognized by society. Obviously, we understand grief as being death, but disenfranchises other things. The loss of a job, the loss of a relationship, even a pet, some people don't understand. And you were using the hashtag because on your Instagram, you journal, if for want of a better word, the 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 story of you caring for your mother, Diana, also Diana. Yes, yes. Um, and whilst obviously I've seen some of your story through Instagram, I don't know it all. And you've very kindly said that you would tell your mum's story and your story. So over to mm. you. Yeah, no, I really appreciate in your intro how you include that everyone's on a different um, journey or with their grief or a little different mm-hmm. point. I feel like that is so important and inclusive to, to, you know, what loss can mean on different levels and stages. And, and in some ways, like you said, like this disenfranchised, actually, I've never heard that term before. So you just taught me a new term, disenfranchised Ooh. grief. <laughs> well, it's also ambiguous, isn't it? Is yeah. The, is the ambiguous one, yeah. is what I, uh, yeah, and I guess um, ambiguous grief or loss is something that everybody has probably at some level experienced in their mm. life. Um, so no, I just appreciate, wanted to say that, that I appreciate you no, thank and welcoming you. people in the space in that way. Um, but yeah, so uh, my journey with my mom um, definitely has, I guess, where do I begin? <laughs> No, for um, sure. So I guess it's in terms of the ambiguous grief because you you are grieving ultimately the loss of your mother, but definitely. she's still with us. But unfortunately, she's she's moving into is she mm-hmm. Alzheimer's? Is it dementia? Yeah, tell me, tell well, me yeah. St- so I guess I'll start with um, how it all began. First of all, my mom and I have the closest relationship. You know, growing up, I would just I just thought she was a goddess. You know, I would sit. Um, on her bathroom like countertop watching her put her makeup on and just like just fawning over her like her best Mm. you know uh, fan her biggest fan (laughs) and uh, I just thought she was just the coolest and you know the she was you know when she walked into a room she was pure light and joy and happiness like everybody would be giggling around her my my friends would come over because they would want hugs from her because she would give the warmest and biggest hugs. Mm. And, um, you know, she was, she's Mexican. So it has very much like culturally like mi casa es tu casa, like come over. So we always had that kind of open house and, mm. 
and she was the hostess and uh, um, everyone was always welcome. And uh, she was just incredible in that way. Um, and she was you know, super smart. She was a realtor. She was also um, the first uh, money market trader, women, a female money market trader in Mexico. Wow. So yeah. And then that's how she ended up meeting my dad um, in, in New York. She tried to sell him some assets and then found out he spoke Spanish. <laughs> assets is such a funny word. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just love the fact that it sounds like your mom's tried to fleece your dad even before yes. anything happened. Okay. Exactly. Well, she discovered that he spoke Spanish and, and, and she was uh, struggling a bit um, communicating in English. So they developed a friendship over the phone where she would call and ask, what does this mean? Or how do I say this? And, and then, yeah, they just started. That's how they met over the phone. Um, and, uh, he didn't buy the assets, but he says I got the best asset, which was her. Um, what a line, uh, what a line. line. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah. And, um, about in 2017, or I guess it was 2016, we started noticing changes in my mom and she was very depressed, like would stay in bed all day. And we thought, you know, it was, um, this was just after my father had a massive heart attack that, you know, it was a miracle he survived Mm -hmm. it. And she um, helped him like come back to health and was with him all the time. Um, And then after that, she fell and she broke her foot. And then after she broke her foot. We was when we started noticing the changes, changes in her personality. And um, can you give uh, an example? Yeah. What, what, what do well, you mean? An example is you know she would stay in bed. She her hygiene. She stopped like brushing her teeth or stopped. And we thought this was depression because mm. of you know that that trauma from experiencing that, the trauma from the fall, and um, we just noticed it. And I at the time was living in California um in San Francisco and I was in my graduate school program for acting which I'm not sure if you're familiar with the graduate acting programs but they are incredibly intense you're like Um, in class morning till evening rehearsals so you have like no time you're dedicated and you're also they rip your heart open (laughs) you stay at Lupita's Lupita (laughs) Lupita, she's saying hello to you all (laughs) yeah so so I would and my mom and I um, talked when I was away. We would talk every day, maybe twice, three times on the phone. Mm. And if I didn't, she would like call me like 20 times and, you know, I'd be like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. And we would share everything. And she was my, like, you know, as an artist or actor, your, your parents, if, you know, she was my number one fan and like my cheerleader as well, you know, that we both gave each other that. And um, so she was, she was super supportive of me and was like just always excited about li- listening to what I was working on and nice because that's always this... a big thing isn't it with with yeah. going into the arts is a lot of parents yeah. could be like you got to get a proper job kind yeah, of thing. exactly exactly and but clearly just, not from your side yeah no she she did not um but then you know she stopped calling me and I've and I was very confused by that Uh, so I started being like, what did I do? Did I say something wrong? Like, this is weird. And then I would call her and she would hang up on me in the middle of our conversation. And I was just so confused and shocked and, you know, uh, not being home at the time, like you're, you, you don't really know the whole picture. 
um, my sister would tell me some stories. And then when I'd go back home to visit is when I really was like shocked by what was happening. And, mm. you know, she would start saying things like there are snakes in the boxes, like, please take the snakes out. And, you know, from going from my mom being completely, um, you know, she was like mom and and then now saying those things or the deer are attacking the house and just very confusing stuff and and the doctors at the time not many people know um knew what was going on but her doctor at the time just said she's depressed and that's what it is so and then at one point my sister who was a huge advocate for her in the, in the beginning was like, no, this is, this is something different. Like, mm. can you please check on it? And she's like, no. And the doctors literally said to her, you need to accept that your mom has given up on life, which is, was horribly traumatizing for my sister to hear. And for me to hear afterwards, you know, I'm shocked because this is only 2016, you said. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that sounds like something super archaic, like back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that must have been and, really tough to hear. Mm-hmm. And so my sisters kept pushing and advocating for my mom. She's like, "Can we please just get an MRI or something, and or you know, uh, a CAT scan?" Is that? I always get yeah. them confused. Yeah. Um, I think it is anyway. Yeah, the scan. The scan, and uh, so the doctor finally agreed to it, and that's when we found out that she had dementia, um, is what they called it at first. And the first they called it Pick's disease. And, um, you know, we understood that it was a dementia that affects the frontal lobe of the brain. So affects personality um, and, you know, motivation, your apathy, you really get apathetic to everything. Um, and, but basically it changes your personality first. Um, whereas Alzheimer's is, is kind of like the reversal of that. Your memory goes first. Okay. Um, so my mom's memory is completely fine up, up until now. Um, and then the more we, we met with so many different neurologists and like, you know, people kept recommending other folks and we ended up at UPenn, University of Pennsylvania here in the States. Mm-hmm. And uh, they told us about frontal temporal dementia or degeneration. And so that's dementia is like the umbrella term. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, I, you know, at that time I was in my final year. This was about maybe a year after the, or year after the symptoms had uh, been sh- strongly showing. I was in my graduate program again. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go back a little bit to a moment that I think is like important about the loss. You know, they call this the long goodbye. I don't know why I find that term. Yeah, like, I don't like that. Hard. I don't like that term, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I was in, I was in my first, I was playing the lead of a Shakespeare play, the first Shakespeare play I'd ever been a lead in. And this was a big deal for me because when I was an undergrad, I was told I was too, too curvy, too thick to ever play a leading lady. And my mom always was like, that's bullshit. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean no, to. No, you can swear. Um, yeah, okay. you, know, you can <laughs> swear. Don't worry. I will bleep um, you out accordingly. Oh, how fun. Uh, <laughs> bleeping is, I've never been bleeped before. <laughs> As you just like, go f*** yourself. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> f- okay. Um, 
<laughs> okay, so you're you're this yeah. curvy Latina uh, in the yes. in the uh, in the beginning of, in the Shakespeare play. <laughs> yeah, and my mom always from that was like, don't listen to people, and was always super supportive. So this was a big deal for me. Mm. And my mom wouldn't call me, and I was like, you know, just overwhelmed with with what did I do? Like, what what did I do to my mom? And she came to see the play, and she was just stone faced the whole time. And then I was you know, I was like, and friends would be like, that are excited to meet your parents. They were like, you're nothing like your parents at all. And I was like, I don't know who that, that's not my mom. Like it, you know, and that's like where the horror film felt like it started. Like, well, it started with the snakes and with the deer, but Mm. really the horror film was, I I don't recognize this woman. I don't know who she is. And um, that was the first loss. But the first biggest loss was like after the performance, you know, you come out and and she didn't smile. She didn't say good job. I went for a hug and she turned and walked away. And, and that was, I mean, that was like the first time that I realized what, you know, that was, that was like the first time the hug kind of hit me. Like, I don't think my mom is going to hug me anymore. Um, and that was really difficult. So uh, when the diagnosis happened, I think I was um, in my final year and I was in about to go into like a big meeting for an agency and my sister called and she said the words frontal temporal degeneration or Pick's disease at the time and she said two to ten years that's what we have and Uh, until sorry two to ten years she's not will she die from it is that yeah so there's, I Gosh, think what- I didn't realize that, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. um, so I think that's where it, it's ambiguous grief because it's, you know, losing parts of them like every day or, mm, mm. so it feels like little tiny paper cuts like constantly. And then the other paper cuts are the um, anticipatory grief where you know, there's no really, there's no hope like um, in that sense of her surviving this um or like something turning you know Mm, mm. um so yeah that that's when that hit me it was just and then of course you go into autopilot and bury everything (laughs) um and uh, that's what I did and uh so from there I just kind of had to choose whether to go back home or continue on my career and I didn't know what to do at all. I was in shock. Like, where do you begin? Like, how do you know? And then, you know, every time from then on, I just, I chose to kind of do a bi-coastal thing. And um, so I would go home and I'd come back to, and then I'd move to LA for, for work reasons and be in LA and then go back home. And, and literally- that's a long, that's what, four six hour hours, six, six hour six, flight. Something like that. Five and a half, I think. Um, okay, it's different, right. like the- because of the winds or something, I'm not great with. <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, no, that's with, fine. But it's a long old way to. One long part. way, yeah, and yeah. like the first, I mean, maybe for like the first two three years, every time I went on that flight, I would just be crying from from takeoff to landing the whole time. And I guess that's something that happens often because that no one ever said it, like no one ever checked on me or like, you know, I would, I would make oh, eye contact really? with the, the flight attendants. So I guess they're used to it, but literally just, you kind of wonder like, how, how does my body have so much like fluids? Like, 
to be able to secrete them yeah, constantly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they say as well, don't they, that uh, the altitude affects your your emotions, mm. don't they? So that's oh, yeah. I've I've sobbed on many a flight. Yeah, yeah it's a right. it's a weird one. Yeah. So okay. So how long? You said two to three years in. So how long were you doing this? Coast two to, to ten. Coast? Two to ten. Ten years. No, you. Sorry, you said oh. you t- over two to three years. Oh when you were yeah. Flying. Um, yeah, I was there. Uh, so, I mean, it probably was only like a year actually. And um, I took my mom, my my sister, and my dad. I could tell they were burnt out because it's, mm. you know, um, my mom. Uh, first of all, like she had the paranoia and the delusions and they were real. And then they got really difficult. You know, she would start seeing worms on her hands and would want to grab knives and try to cut her hands off or yeah, literally a horror film. I, you know, it was so difficult to, to witness, but I can't imagine going through it. Um, And it was so real to her. Everything is so real. And then, you know, coming back and you know realizing like we were noticing that her her left side of her body wasn't functioning well like she was like not being able to step up one step like and uh then finding out that that's like she has parkinsonisms in her left side so mm-hmm. that that was like another loss was her um her physicality like her mov- mobility um and and anyway, so then I asked her to, uh, I saw my sister and my dad were burnt out. They're exhausted mm-hmm. by this, you know, and the hygiene and like not responding or not, you know, um, it's just hard to do things or just leaving the house or walking away. I went on a cruise with her. It was just me and her. And this is my first time was just the two of us. And um, like my, my mom's family wanted us to go and give us this time together and they were so nice. They're like, we got you a room with a balcony. And then of course, like the first thing my mom says is like, oh, I'm going to jump off the balcony. So I get there. I have to move like the couch to make sure that like the door is blocked. And I, you know, you can't sleep. You're like, oh gosh, <laughs> what's going to happen? Or, you know, just going to take a shower and hearing the door open and having to like throw clothes on and chase her. And like, I lost her on the boat one day and I was, you know, freaked out. And, you know, I think the one thing I do want to speak about is you know, I was only 27 at the time. And when that was happening, 27, 28. So um, you don't, you, I wasn't ready. I was very angry about having to be in this role reversal. I was yeah. like resentful. I'm like, no, like I'm supposed to be like starting my family or like dating. And I was in a relationship at the time, which I, I couldn't survive because mm-hmm. I wasn't mental health space at all. I wasn't accepting my grief. Like I wasn't, and I think because it's disenfranchised, you don't feel like, like people would always tell me, well, you shouldn't be sad. Like your mom's alive. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's not, you know, there's parts of her that I miss and that I'm sad or gone. Um, I'm, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not surprised. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why, as I said at the beginning, it's like trying to highlight this because there are still people in that, and I'm sure they don't mean it in a in a bad way but they're just sort of saying you know it's almost like me saying well she's still around and you're like no but she is not she may be physically still around but but she's not um is your mum aware of what's going on yeah I mean in the beginning so it's been 20 now it's 2021 and now she's in the severe stages so she's wheelchair and bed bound and she no longer okay. speaks um she communicates with her eyes though and she nods um and then once in a while a word or or laugh will come out which is you know 
yeah. a treasure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so so that's where she's at now. What was your question? I like. I was saying, is 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 she aware of what's oh, going yeah. on? Because I because of the different, um, you know, because of the different sides of dementia. Mm-hmm. You know, I know as you were saying, like sometimes their memory just goes. But so I, I know people they're 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 okay with themselves but they're so forgetful and they get so angry because they know that they have mm-hmm. dementia and yeah. that, that's quite upsetting and obviously this you, your mum's is seems very different to anything I've heard about yeah you know I think we were kind of lucky that she remained very sweet like or she remains like the sweetest woman ever you know mm. she never was aggressive or or has been aggressive or you know um she is very much aware when she was communicating for a while, she would tell people, I have dementia, or, you know, um, it's because I have dementia, or she would forget, and then she'd remember, and, and you could see it breaking her heart, and, mm-hmm. um, or she would, she would always, oh, she would always say thank you for everything, like, when we were, you know, when we first started having to convince her to put diapers on, or, like, things like that, you know, she, she was aware, and she kept saying thank you, you know, whenever we would bathe her, or like, she would, she would just had this, you know, like knowing, and she was yeah. aware. You mentioned as well before we hit record because you said about Lupita is um, <gasps> that you have so you're living at home and you have a carer come in to to look after look after mum. Um, yeah. Again, I, I sort of going back to her personality because I always I always remember, as you know, my dad's not around anymore, but mm-hmm. my my dad always used to say that d- dementia mm-hmm. would be the worst thing for him. He said, "I I cannot imagine." not knowing who I am or forgetting who you are kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he would, he would always, and forgive me if this is insensitive, but mm-hmm. my, my dad would always say, you know, if I ever get like that, turn me off. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to know. I don't want to be in a home. I don't want to, all these things. So how, how is your mum with that? Well, you mentioned about like the diapers and being bathed. And now she has a carer. How was that at the early stage? Was she, um, you know, how did she take to it? Or was it just, mm-hmm. this is, this is it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like in the moment for her, she was uh, so consumed by the paranoia and the, mm-hmm. so it was almost like she was, and my mom would say the same thing. Um, my father's great aunt. It's kind of interesting looking back at like your childhood, but um, my mom always made sure that we were always like supportive of other people Um or, you know, so as kids, like we would watch her best friend's mom who had Alzheimer's and we would like help okay. care for her. Mm-hmm. And my, my great aunt had Alzheimer's as well. And we would watch that. And as she witnessed it, she said, that would be the most horrible, like what your, your dad said. Yeah. She said that. And she was like, please, I'd hope I never go that way. And it was like her worst fear. And it yeah. was, a re- it became a reality. Um, and then when my grandmother would visit, we, you know, we witnessed that. Um, so yeah, she was, she kind of surrendered, I think, to it all. Mm. Um, definitely it took a lot of convincing. I mean, it was exhaust, it was, it's, it's, uh, exhausting to have to, um, convince or just going to, you know, the doctor's office or going places or go, you know, it was just became, Mm -hmm you you have to learn quickly and um and at the same time you're like having to figure out how to, to care for her and also 
uh, having this sadness and this deep pain at the same time. Um, so she's, so she's um, now I think I don't, I th we, we, she's very much aware because her, she talks with her eyes all the time and is very present. You know, I think the things that my mom has taught me has been because of this has been like how to be incredibly present and connected, you know, um, that and present with your emotions. Cause I know with her, the moments I try to be strong in front of her, I lose that connection. But oh, the more my. vulnerable I am with her and the more vulnerable I am with how difficult, how challenging it, it is, the more connected I feel with her, the more like mm -hmm. she touches my hand randomly or so I, I feel like that's something else I learned, like, you know, being vulnerable is, is a, is the highest form of connecting. So yeah, you it's always, you think you're protecting, I, but yes. you're, you're actually hurting. And, and that's yeah. the thing. It's one of the things. It doesn't matter what grief uh, anybody's going through, through all of the episodes that I've had so far. Everyone always says they just try to be strong. They're strong for their kids. They're strong for their, if they've lost their mother, they're strong for their father and, and all these kind of things. But then sometimes, yeah, you do just have to just strip it all down and then and be that and accept the vulnerability, I suppose. Yeah. Um, your your mum and dad are still together? Yes, yes. How's your dad? Oof, I mean, I don't, uh, I, I think he's, you know, heartbroken, definitely. Mm. Um, he, I, we definitely as a family have gotten more united. Like, I mean, it broke us for a little bit. Like, you know, we were, there's definitely cracks in the cement, <laughs> but. Oh, sure. uh, <laughs> I mean, high level stress is going to do that to yeah, anyone or anything. Yeah. yeah. But well, me, my sister and my dad, um, once I moved back, cause I, cause I was in LA and then it was just, you know, I, I got super depressed and wasn't, was not taking care of myself um, and felt guilty. And also the fear of having the disease was like really heightened. So as an actor, like going into auditions became scary for me, you know, oh, I forgot that word. Oh, I don't understand what they're saying. And oh, I, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore and realize I really just want to be here with my mom and mm. with my sister and my dad during this time. Because like, you know, I think we didn't want to, she always feared going into a home. So, and she would always be like, where am I going if we ever mentioned a home in front of her? So we wanted to keep her at home as much as possible. And it's, mm. it's uh, financially very, very challenging um, mm. and demanding. So I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, take a pause from my career and be like the main person here. And then we have help once in a while just for respite yeah. because it's, yeah. it's a lot. Um, but, but there's a lot of love and the love is what keeps us going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm food probably in a Mexican oh. household. Yeah. Me we're Mexican. My dad's Cuban. So we're Mexican Cuban households. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Are you joking? When do I get the invite? No, oh. come on over. <laughs> well, considering like. what is it? It's 9.30 in the morning where you are, but yes. it's 5.30. It's nearly dinner time for me. So yes. now I'm just thinking. Uh, a we can have chilequiles at any time. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Not just a breakfast food. No, yeah. I'm just thinking of uh, Mexican Cuban food, but uh, bearing in mind... I'm sure that, and I didn't mean it in, in a in a joking way, food does keep kind of everything together, doesn't it? If you can still eat mm. as a family and cook, prepare as a family and, yeah. and what have you. Um, how long has your mum been bed bound and, and in a wheelchair? 
Um, it, I think it was uh, this past year was when it, the, well, the bed arrived like two, was like three months ago. Okay. And, uh, but, but she kind of was already before then. And, you know, or we learned so much in the past year of like, we have a Hoyer lift, which I didn't know what a Hoyer lift was. I didn't yeah. know, you know, what all this stuff was. No. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, everyone, all my friends my age are, are kind of just talking about um, having a good time and like, you know, and I'm like, you know what a Hoyer lift is? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, I mean, that's a chat up line and a half, isn't yeah, it? Right? If you're going on dates or no, anything. Oh my gosh, my dates. I mean, when my mom, when I had my mom in LA, I was still in the avoidance phase of like, right. And I was not accepting this was happening. So I was like, I'm going to no. still go on dates. So I literally like get, take care of my mom, put her to bed. I had like, cameras and then I'd be on the date, like watching my mom, making sure she doesn't leave and, uh, or being like, do I smell like urine? Like, do I, you know, oh, I think I cleaned, like I, you know, um, but trying to find normalcy and like, I mean, honestly trying to find like, yeah, an escape really from everything. But then the cute part was, is my mom would wait up and she would be like, how mm. was it? And the, the one interesting thing about this disease um, is I got, I get to experience my mom, how she was when she was a teenager, you know, because that yeah. came out and you see her and she's like talking about boys and we're like chatting in a way where it's like, oh, that like, that might not have ever happened. So I find that delightful and, or how she was as a little kid and she would like, you know, so in some ways it's like fascinating to have that, that experience with her. Um, how she interesting would, uh, yeah. still trying to maintain a, a normal life as you say whilst obviously now being in effect the main carer for mm-hmm. for your mum uh, and um is your mum in pain so I you know that's the thing that I always struggle with like you know we don't really the communicate we don't really know but uh, what we were told was because of the loss of um the parkinsonisms on her left side that she can't feel her left side really so um so we don't think so but we know she had blood clots in her legs this past year so she was in the hospital so we know that must be painful um uh, so we have to just be constantly aware of her and try to you know the unspoken language has to become the new norm and I think that's why I've I've really focused on working on myself as much as possible. Um, and I've really gotten into somatic work and um, like breath work because okay. I, I feel the more in tune I am with my nervous system and with my body, the more I can relate to her in a unspoken language, you know? Okay. Um, so noticing her breath, noticing, you know, how she's functioning, how like her, what, what her, maybe signs of discomfort are that, okay. you know, if, if I wasn't slow and like working on myself, I don't think I would catch on, you know? Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So how being, long have you been, been sort of working on that? And did you obviously did that for her to try and recognize? Yeah. That? Well, okay. I, I started the breath work in grad school as for acting, you know, to yeah. connect you. Um, and then this past year, my, my, my teacher, um, Jeffrey Crockett, if anyone wants to take a somatic class. <laughs> love love um, the name Jeffrey Crockett already. Yes. Um, I, I've, I've more dived in it within the past few months. Um, I, guess, I guess another part of my journey or my story was 
um, became the full-time caregiver here. It was a little, a little bit, a little bit, it was meant a little bit, it was overwhelming. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, you don't expect to be in that role. And I, I'm much, I would imagine it's like a new parent feels. Um, I don't have children, so I don't know, but. Um, no, but all of a sudden you have this person that is solely responsible. Yeah. So you yeah. are responsible for this person. And that's yeah. a lot of pressure. Yeah. And again, back to the strong thing, I was strong and uh, wasn't really listening to that under underbelly of grief or, mm. you know, would always be av- avoiding it. Um, and then I got COVID really bad. So last year oh and God. was, yeah, and was uh, sick in for like two months. And here I live with my dad and my mom who are both high risk. My sister moved in and uh, slept on an air mattress for two months because that's how long I had fevers for. <laughs> Um, and I think that's where like, literally I was forced to grieve and to, uh, feel everything, you know, when was that last year? This was, uh, April. So it was like exactly a year ago. So April, May. And then I think, so what did you go through then emotionally? Well, I was like, definitely felt a lot of sadness, a lot of loss, a lot of um, fear, you know, of, I was told, like, I, I was about to go to the, because my, my toes were turning blue. Um, and yeah, I was like, maybe I should go to the hospital. And then I had a doctor tell me, don't go to the hospital. But if you do, uh, make sure that you have everything in order and that you tell the people you love that you love them. So of course, I was, I grinned my teeth and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going through this and then I was put on like a, a very whole like natural regimen that I think really helped me um turn a corner which was good but yeah I mean and on um, I my room and then there's the bathroom across the hallway so every walk felt like you're walking in a minefield because I didn't want to hurt my parents um so you know walking with a Lysol but then not being able to really walk because I couldn't breathe so it was a uh, it was challenging, but I guess I bring it up not not to talk about COVID because, man, do we want to really talk about COVID? Pretty bored of that, actually, <laughs> Diana. <laughs> yes, I know. But I bring it up because it's, you know, I was forced to have to look at things and forced to have to really be real with myself of uh, that I need to slow down because I was going at a fast pace in a, in a manner of not taking care of my mental health, not taking care of myself Mm. and I was not being present enough with my family in this circumstance which I forgive myself for because it's natural like this is a Mm. very hard situation and it's shit it's it's I mean they call this disease the the um cruelest disease you've never heard of um because it really it affects everyone around and I think not just people who are in the home you know even if someone's in the nursing home it's it has a huge impact that loss and you know um that the, you know my mom's warmth that like love mm, is, mm. is is something I tragically miss and want and uh you know holidays are hard because you know she's here but she made them so joyous and um so wonderful so you know yeah and I don't know why this is coming up, but one thing I guess I want to mention too is I heard on, on one of your previous podcasts about, you know, when people are trying to relate to you about your loss, um, 
the biggest thing that, that, I, that, uh, that I get is, you know, when I share about my mom, it's like, oh, I understand that my, my grandma has Alzheimer's. And just being like, no, I mean, I like appreciate that, but, yeah. but I, this is my mom. And, uh, it's, and it's, it's weird when people do it is because as we've, as I've said in the previous podcast, people aren't saying that out of any maliciousness or anything. I think people want to do it because so that, so that they can connect with you so that then you feel almost safe and, and at ease, mm-hmm. not realizing that in your mind, you're literally like, I couldn't give a shit. I love you dearly, but I, yes. I couldn't give a shit because this is sort of my issue. Um, yeah, yeah. Gosh, and, and, and just so different experiences. Like, yeah, and especially under dementia, as you said. Like, I I'd never heard of of the condition, the specific condition that your mum has had, and it's it's all so different, even under those different silos if you like under dementia but yet even person to person it's gonna when it's your brain at at play for want of a better word it has to affect everyone totally differently you mentioned holidays um what else do you miss like what's the what's the things that you that Mm. you miss uh we talked about food I miss her cooking definitely Mm. I miss going we would we had a tradition where every year we would go to the Metropolitan Museum and we would uh, go have tea after nice. and uh, <laughs> at Alice's teacup. And I miss that, um, you know, I miss dancing, but you know, you find, I find ways to do this. Like we, we take a little, we take a dance class together once in a while. And, I know, you know I've seen your videos on your yeah. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, so we try, I, we try our best to make sure she feels included and, you know, um, and part of, part of the family and, you know, is still making choices and is still, okay. you know, yeah. select, you know, every morning it's like, we play the mariachi music that, that for a long time was beautiful. Like when she wasn't speaking, but if you would put on mariachi music and she knew a song, she would start singing along and you'd just be like, oh my gosh, like, uh, yeah, it is incredible. And so we have the mariachi music. She chooses, what clothes she wants to wear I always give her we give her try to give her two options so she has a choice and mm-hmm. um and then you know make sure she still puts on her lipstick lately she's been eating it but we're we're, <laughs> we're working been, on that we're working on that <laughs> uh but but yeah so I, I and I miss her hugs the most yeah yeah that's yeah you know, you mentioned as I mentioned the the she's a hugger like that was her thing um, you still hug and, her, but I guess it's the, the hug back, isn't it? And, and certainly the hug from your mum is yeah. uh, is always the tough one. Um, being the name of the podcast, when you said about the tough time that you went through last year, when you were forced to stop and think and and grieve, what was your grief relief? Uh, sometimes I hate saying that because it seems really cheesy, but what got you through? Mm-hmm. Um definitely uh learning to sit in the discomfort you know just by not doing anything really because I couldn't do anything like I was exhausted I think that's number one therapy thousand percent like I love therapy. I have like my post-its here that I have kept like regulate nervous system feel your feels eat for nutrition sweat connect to people in nature (laughs) like just working on trying to find out what those tools are um journaling definitely um, has helped me a ton. That keeps uh, coming up a lot, journaling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
journaling and, you know, writing it all out, then practicing my affirmations, practicing my gratitude, um, trying to find the good, because it's hard sometimes to find the good. Um, and then accepting that it's totally valid when I want to say this fucking sucks. Like, this is just, this is just horrible. Um, I've leaned on my friends who have experienced loss, you know, um, it's just kind of like a badge, like they know, like, I don't know, my, I have really close friends who both lost their parents at a young age and, and uh, uh, yeah, they've just been wonderful rocks. Cause I think you've mentioned it too. Sometimes people feel, it feels weird. Like people can't handle the conversation mm. of people don't like to go there. People are like, Oh, let's good feelings, good vibes. It's like, this mm. is still a good vibe. This is just the real vibe. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And as I said to you, when we, when we started talking, one of the main reasons I did the podcast is because, and especially in situations like yours, if I, if I was to have met you in a cafe, uh, we're strangers. We met 50 minutes ago, but if I was to meet you in a cafe, I would want to ask these questions. It's just obviously you've given me permission because we've, mm -hmm. we've spoken and, and we're in this space, but people want to know, but they're scared to, but nine times out of 10, as we've said, we want to talk to people sometimes just to get it off of our chest, but, yeah. but we want to talk because oh. I want to tell everyone about my mom and dad. You want to tell everyone about your beautiful mom. And it's like, mm -hmm. please talk to of us. Of course. And then when people do ask, and like, how, how is your mom or how are you, how are you doing in this situation? And then sometimes if I answer genuinely, it's like oh okay I didn't mean like you don't you don't have to answer the question <laughs> like, if I'm like you know she had diarrhea all day and it was that was my day like I've been trying to like literally I mean that happens once in a while but you know and then yeah. it's it's they don't really want to hear that like they just want to hear the um like the edited out version I'm I guess fine. Or, I'm fine I'm okay you know, and but then there are people that surprise you and that are, you know, and I think really all my close friends are like that, that are really there for you. Yeah. Like I have, I have to, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Was this in the, no, no, yeah. no. I was just oh. going to say that's that safe space that you can just go, do you yeah. know what? I actually can't handle it today. I, I, I'm done for the day. Yep. Uh, but to say that to some people, that must be awful. You were saying about your close friends. Oh, I would say one of my, my best friends, she was incredible as I was processing everything. When I did move in New York and I was auditioning here, I didn't know what to do because I was like, I can't leave my mom alone. So mm. I would bring my mom on auditions and like, and that's normal for like actors to have their kids. And I had my mom and originally my first audition that I had, um, I was freaking out. Like I'm in the room, but I'm like, can we hurry up? Because I don't know if she's gone. I can't, I was like, I didn't know oh, what to God. say. Like, can you watch my mom? Cause uh, you know, so it's this awkward thing. So then my friend, she was, she started coming with us to auditions and like, would, would stay with my mom oh, it makes me tear up because it's like that you know that is that's what you need in those situations you know is someone to be like hey I will do that for you you know let me let me help carry your load and it's not so much like yeah and and that gesture was just incredible yeah and and, uh, and to her it was probably nothing but yeah. you just have no they have no idea so that's they're good people we keep so, we keep good people we like keep that around good people <laughs> and, and and that friend talking about how to get through it like her she would talk to me every day like and call me every single day no matter what and like no matter how ugly I was or like not physically but <laughs> <laughs> girl um, you're thick <laughs> um but like how messy and how yeah how 
hard it is like she just held that space all the time and I have a I have I'm very lucky that I have a great community who definitely held that space for me and holds that space and and obviously I know to come like that anticipatory grief I know there's more grief it's you know yeah it's um yeah and then it's like paper cuts and then I'll know that there's gonna be a stab so because that and and to to try and prepare yourself both you and your sister and I mean God help us with your dad you know heaven forbid something happens to you guys you know early on or or whatever and then for your dad to go through that I mean it must just be horrendous for you three to have this in your mind um I want to ask you about you know you're wanting to shed uh, shed you're wanting (laughs) to spread the word and share your story um and tell me more about about that because I know that you mentioned it a little bit on your on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just um, you know FTD is not really known disease, and it would have been really helpful to know the signs and um, and also I think some advocacy about uh, for for other for other people to know that these uh, these this happens. Um, um, I think another reason why is when we would be out in restaurants or out in public, we would get a lot of weird comments or stares or people Um. yelling at us or, you know, because people just don't understand. They see my mom, she's very young, like she looks very young. So they don't connect the dots that perhaps there's something. So I think that that was also a reason why um, to, you know, to raise awareness that that more research can be done to like end the disease. Uh, I think it's really, I don't want anybody to have to go through it, you know, and, um, and if they can see the signs from the beginning, uh, know how that there are other people out there that, you know, if anybody else is, has just learned about this, like, please reach out to me. Like, I would love to share, you know, just small things that you learn along the way of how to help support them um, while they're living with this disease and mm-hmm. how to support yourself. Um, what little, little functions of, you know, tricks of the trade <laughs> of caregiving um yeah. but also you clearly just, learned just, a lot yeah definitely yeah definitely learned a lot um and uh you know like when you're in the grief it's hard to know how what how to put one foot in front of the other so like how do you build structure how do you stay organized with your medical bills or, or like the living will and all this stuff in details like um, it's, it's for me, at least I was so confused in the beginning. I was so overwhelmed. I was, uh, you know, my sister was too, my dad was, we all were. And, um, the more we talk about it, the more we can learn from each other. And, mm. um, and sometimes you don't find everything on Google. No, no. Especially with a, a disease that's like not, it's small, like it's very rare. So, um, Yeah. And there's a lot of misdiagnosis. There's a lot of misdiagnosis. Mm -hmm. We go to many doctors that don't know what it is and have never heard of it. And um, and that's like, okay. And then you feel like you're always, you know, trying to like catch people up. (laughs) Um, You know, there's been times where they don't understand that my mom has, again, because she's young. So people are confused. Well, no, she doesn't have dementia. It's like, we literally like, yeah, we've gone, she does like, (laughs) Is it a new form that you that, that she has? Do you think that's why some of the doctors aren't aware of it? It's it's been misdiagnosed a long okay. time, like you know, as as depression, as like bipolar or other other 
um, other illnesses. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons. Uh, and also, yeah, I don't know if it's like, if it's coming up more now uh, because of the way the society is, we're moving on a, a crazy pace and yeah. the stress and levels hopefully, are there. And hopefully more people yeah. speaking about it just in general. More people speaking about it in general, you know, anyway, I don't, I don't really know how to answer my question. <laughs> no, 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 I'm I just saying, I, I just wasn't, I didn't know whether it would be, yeah. you know, one of these things where yes, it's been misdiagnosed and it wasn't until 20 years ago, it wasn't even a thing. It wasn't, it wasn't even heard of. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because it's especially if medical professionals aren't aren't understanding it like that's worrying isn't it yeah it is worrying yeah it is worrying one thing one thing I just came to my mind too is mm. uh uh the anger towards um well the disease but also you know my mom's friends a lot of them stayed and like would would watch but not many people want to go through this ugliness like or the tough times so that was really sad to see you know oh okay you're just here when things are good but now that it's tough so but she has like her close knits who still come and I mean during COVID it was hard but would come visit and stay with her and support and um, I think that's that's the same with with um with anything in life isn't it like you you know where your good friends are and you know where you can get that support and lean on be it your friends your sister's friends your dad's friends and of course ultimately your mum's friends Mm -hmm. because you're like do you know what when it gets tough and you're nowhere to be seen well then see ya we can't you can't invest your energy in those people let alone have them you know with your mum this is a weird story uh a cool story but you know so I had just moved to LA and I felt very guilty and I still feel guilty about it now looking back on times I could have been spending with her. Okay, when, yeah. But anyway, I was guilty and oh man, I had this dream and um, where my mom came to me and she was, we were having tea. She was like in the clouds and she were having tea time and she's like, hey, and she was looking amazing and um, cheerful and joy. Exacto, eso. Um, <laughs> If you don't see us, Katie just did like a nice little snap. Like, oh yeah, sorry, I was uh, pretending yeah, I was part <laughs> of the um, crew. Um, and uh, so I was just, you know, she looked amazing, and she was the mom that I remembered. You know, the mom who from before, um, and still, you know, this my mom is still here. But of anyway, course. so and God, I'm like having trouble remembering the dream. I wrote about it, so it's written somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, she just said, like, hey, I believe in you. you. You got this and, like, keep doing your thing kind of situation. And just gave me the warmest hug. And I literally woke myself up in tears. Like, my, I never experienced that. But, like, to wake up in tears and, like, to be crying in your dream. And then I called my sister because at that point my mom wasn't answering her phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, can I talk to mom? And I was like, mom you came into my dream last night and she goes, I know. And I was like, okay. You know, thinking the dementia. And then she's like, we had tea. And I, my mind was just blown. I was in complete shock. And she was like, I told you, I believe in you and you should do your thing. Like, Oh, I mean, tear up about it now. It's just that connection. You know, I don't know if you believe in that stuff, but I believe in, 
you know, it's like there's something else happening in the, the world. Yeah, like, and, <laughs> and, connections. And, and, yeah, that's really interesting. And just, very quickly, because I don't want to make anything about me. I no. um lost a very good friend of mine um September 2019 she sadly took her own life and mm. it's the first person that I've ever experienced that with and I I had a really tough time dealing with it I was really angry with her and I used to talk to her in the shower a lot and just be like why don't you tell me and uh, she was due to stay at my house she was moving apartments she was due to stay at my house and I'd be in the shower going I washed all the bedding I had everything ready for you like I you know and I was I was angry at her and I um I had a I had a dream that we were in this nightclub um called Stereo Arcade that's it, it was in Dubai and we were dancing and she and she I'm a lot taller than her and she <laughs> had her arms around my neck and she's like looking at me and she grabs my hands uh, my head right in between right in between her hands and and she says I'm okay I'm okay where I am and I know you're worried about me and I'm sorry for doing what I did but I'm, I'm okay. So please mm. don't worry. Right. Mm. And same thing as you, I remember I woke up and I was like, Oh my God, like she's safe. She's okay. Like, and I've never had a, that was her. She came to me and I've never really had anything like that, but I felt relieved mm. after she came and sort of, said, and it was just the way that she That's really, incredible. really forced me to, to say, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm okay where I am. So oh. that's so interesting with your mum, but I, yeah. but I, but Lucy's not around anymore. Your mum is still around. So I would be a bit like, what the mum? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was trippy. It was very trippy and it was incredible, but it shows about, you know, the connection that, that you have with your friend and yeah. that I have with my mom. It's like those, they're very strong, strong bonds. And, you know, um, yeah. Has she come to you since? Wild. No. Oh, but then ever since then, she kept being like, I'm going to come tonight. You know, like that's what she would tell me. And then we would try and she, I was like, did, were we there? And she was like, no. <laughs> so I was like, well, it was like a one-time thing. Um, but, but it's still, I just, it's still like, I think really, it was really empower, empowering, yeah. impactful. And, and I do, I creatively, I've, I've written a lot of stuff and like, I know that I'll use it at some point, but it's, you know, as an, as an actor, an artist, or like a creator, people always say, just put it in the work. But when sometimes it's not ready, you're not ready for it. Like I need no. to continue, um, you know, feeling and grieving for, for myself. I think art can help. And sometimes art can't help. Um, you know. Yeah. It, and, oh. and there's no, we well, said at the beginning, there's no right or wrong and everyone will be different. Sorry. You were going to yeah. say. No, as you mentioned the shower, that's, yeah. that has been that why showers are the best place ever. I like that's my crying pad like that's where I go to you know um it's a it's also been a really you know helpful place you know when I'm feeling uh overwhelmed by anything that's happening just jump in the shower I guess the shock of the water and like uh, yeah and it's almost really a cool cleansing experience system. as well isn't it yeah yeah Oh man. I mean, obviously it literally is a cleansing experience. Yes. But what I meant as in like off the (laughs) metaphorically (laughs) cleansing experience. (laughs) We're like, yeah, it's so deep. Oh my god, it's so cleansing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a shower. Oh, right on. That was great. Oh my God. Wow. Oh. Okay. God, guys, that, that really moved me. I don't know if it moved you, but it moved me. Um, 
really Diana, before I let you go, as you know, I always ask all of my guests for a podcast or an Instagram account that they love. Now, it doesn't have to be related to anything we've spoken about. It's just one of those ones where you scroll through and you go, oh, kittens or whatever. <laughs> so what do you have for me? Okay. My, my first one is because it's the one that I reshare the most on my stories and has really helped me through everything is, is Young Pueblo. Um, it, Say it again. Young Pueblo. So it's Y-U-N-G-P-U-E-B-L-O. Um, Pueblo. Um, and he's a writer and, and writes about life and um, has all these beautiful, uh, it's just incredible. I'm not even going to say anything. Just go and experience Fine. it and Fine. you'll be inspired and addicted like I am and he has a new book coming out so oh amazing well I always (laughs) Um, share all of the links anyway and I usually post um I post on my Instagram account as well so and you so you got another one I had another one because um, this one I I found recently it's called remember me podcast and it's on Instagram and remember and and it's following stories of early onset dementia um and it's two I guess best friends that met through all of a crazy as prince said that thing called life mm. um and uh it's you know i've i've really it's it's really important to have that community i think um if you're going through that and to listen to other people's stories so you feel less alone um and uh yeah so remember me podcast nice okay and that's that's a really important thing that you've mentioned as well because as i look into the camera because i'm supposed to do this properly oh, yes. is is actually saying along the lines of you know, I say every time, if you have been affected by anything we've spoken about, I'm not an expert. Diana's much more of an expert than I am, but, but <laughs> we're, not, we're not experts, but please, I'm going to put Diana's um, Instagram up and um, to, to raise awareness. If you want to reach out, please reach out. It doesn't matter um, who you are, how it's affecting you. If we can't help, will certainly point you in the right direction because I just think sharing your stories and and as you as you said Diana it's like having a community and knowing that there are other people going through what you're going through just takes off so much of the weight Mm -hmm. doesn't it so definitely definitely reach out and something I definitely forgot to mention before is you have to like you have to subscribe you have to review you have to do everything follow us on Instagram and all of the other malarkey which just doesn't seem important at all when giving some of the subjects that I speak about (laughs) on the podcast but um Diana gracias thank you so much um and please give my massive amounts of love to your mum Diana to your dad your sister and I know that we're going to stay in touch and my god you better get the kitchen ready for when I come to New Jersey yes you right. are welcome and I, who knew that talking about grief would be have include so much giggles like <laughs> yes yeah and that's the whole idea isn't it so thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day I'll speak to you soon adios adios buenas noches <laughs> see ya bye, bye.